This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Well, certainly the world of cryptocurrency drawing a lot of attention these days with the volatility and a lot of other elements in play here. Charlie Schrem is a founding member of one of the founding members of the Bitcoin Foundation. Uh, he joins us right now. Charlie, I appreciate a few moments. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Where do you see this kind of the state of the cryptocurrency industry at the moment? Oh, man, I've personally been through 10 or 11 of these cryptocurrency bull and bear markets going back since the early 2010, early 2011 days. And, you know, when you have the most extreme fear and no one wants to buy anything and no one wants to touch it with a 10-foot pole, that's when the fortunes were made for the people a few years later. So these are the times you see tons of VC investing, tons of building, tons of new companies launching, but you'll see distressed prices because of, like, the macroeconomic situation going on right now. So using a uh, Wall Street analogy, is this the dip to buy on in uh, in the world of crypto? These are definitely the times people should be like dollar cost averaging into their favorite projects and looking into like what's going on under the hood of these things. There's still a lot to be understood, I think, for the general public about the world of crypto. And I'd love to get your thoughts on how we best go about that and maybe to what level you expect cryptocurrencies to be used here in the United States in the future. You know, down the road in the future is what Satoshi predicted even, is that we're going to be using this technology in every aspect of our daily lives, just like we use the Internet now. And until that mass adoption happens, there's going to be opportunities everywhere, just like there are a lot of scams and frauds everywhere. So I always tell people, it's like, listen to podcasts like my own untold stories, go on and check out different media and different blog posts, stuff that's unbiased, listen to this show and different things like that. And there's so much out there to learn. As long as you learn more than your friends, you already have an edge up, a 1%, because most people still don't understand these things. Do you see the use of of cryptocurrency or of a platform uh, similar to what we're seeing in countries like Venezuela and other countries where they're starting to use it as a primary currency? I think that there will be a relationship between the U.S. government and the stablecoin issuers that you have today, and there'll be a kind of like, uh, uh, we'll be using these stablecoin assets in the future because instead of sending someone from a Venmo to a PayPal through all these this intermediary different things and checks and all these different things, we'll potentially have one mechanism for sending value to everyone all over the Internet that's blessed by the U.S. government. One side of this kind of rebalancing this time around, though, has been, uh, you know, a, a filing of a Chapter 11 and, and a company talking about, you know, cutting jobs. So had the industry grown maybe even a little bit too fast for itself right now? Always, always. It happens every cycle. The industry goes too fast. It overpromises and underdelivers. And people are like, what's going on here? What can I really do with this? We need to take a hard look. And, and in the past, that, that hard look has lasted two years sometimes. So it depends who you ask of where we are in it right now. Is We could still have more time. Last year, I believe it was, you, you started to hear people calling for Bitcoin prices at around 100000 Is that still a realistic option, but maybe now a couple years down the road? 100%. 99%. Uh, so 99% of all Bitcoin will be mined by the year 2035. 
and all of the Bitcoin won't be mined until the year 2140. This is like a very long tail experiment. And Bitcoin is still the king. All the other crypto prices kind of follow it. It leads all of the cycles for better or for worse. And so Satoshi and others, we haven't predicted a Bitcoin price. We predict a Bitcoin price in the million dollar range in, in maybe a decade or so. So we still have a, a long way to go. I mentioned you were around there at, at the outset of, uh, of Bitcoin. What was it that drew your attention in the early days here? I... I I got into Bitcoin to make friends. Uh, what drew me in, into the into the Bitcoin community was just a group of misfits hanging around a chat room trying to change the world. And I was very attracted to that. And, and once I saw that and, and made some friends and really had the opportunity to use my mathematical brain in, in a way that could really do some, some, some change for, for the better for the world, I was hooked. Then that brings me to the next side of the regulatory, because that's seemingly one of the biggest hurdles that we're going to be talking about in and around cryptocurrency over the next few years. Uh, There's certainly a big push to bring regulation into this area, maybe even as fast or even faster than uh, around uh, social media platforms right now. I agree. Uh, Honestly, the reason that you're seeing, like you said, layoffs and Chapter 11 bankruptcies and all these different things is because there is not clarity in any regulations and it's done on purpose they, they keep the regulations around cryptocurrencies vague because it makes enforcement easier we need clear regulations we've asked for it we have multiple political lobbies in dc asking for it we just want if, if biden or anyone came out right now with clear regulations the crypto community would be cheering on the street but right now it's so vague and no one even knows what to do that's why we're here right now Yeah, and that's a little bit like I was mentioning before with the issues around the public is having the understanding up on Capitol Hill to be able to do the right legislation to be able to move forward. And it's not just around financial services. It's around even the federal communications when it comes to marketing and how these things are labeled and how certain assets are treated. Very small type of regulations need to happen that just haven't happened yet. And I don't understand why why they haven't been. But hopefully now, with a lot of retail users that have been involved in the past few years, uh, various governments around the world have been wanting to push for more speedier regulation. There is also the ESG side of this. When you hear those concerns, what do you say? You know, there's there's definitely a lot of concerns. There's a lot of misinformation on, on all the different sides of it. But I think that, that these debates... Um, need to be talked about more and need to be understood more. But I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a big uh, believer in – I think that the environmental groups should be very proud of what Bitcoin has brought and what mining has brought together because of the fact that now we have hydroelectric uh, dams and, and different type of, of more efficient – and cheaper and better for the earth power. Well, and, and, you know, kind of tying that in with what we were just talking about a moment ago, it's not only the federal government on the regulatory side, but it's the state governments as well, New York State being one of them that's kind of uh, jumped uh, early on this. Makes no sense. Makes no sense. I don't understand. I don't understand what there, there must be other powers that be that want the energy for themselves because that, that makes no sense. You know, Bitcoin mining has, has created tens of thousands of new job jobs in each state. So why would you try to, you know, freeze that for two years when you're talking about coming out of an economic recovery? 
there's a lot of conversation as well about the numbers uh, of different cryptocurrencies out there and whether or not we will see a pairing down at some point to be able to get to whatever that that magic number is so that you have the most secure and safe market out there. What do you say to that? That's a very good debate that people are having because there is a point to that. Every human being and and every facet of power can only secure so many chains and be involved in so many different blockchains. Right now, there are over 20,000 different cryptocurrencies. But in my experiences, I can only talk from personal experience. And what I've seen over the last 10 years is that if you if you go to coinmarketcap.com and see one of the top 10 cryptocurrencies of, of the day, that always changes. That, that top 100, it gets recycled every couple of years. So, you know, what, if you go look at screenshots of what that site looked like, Five or six years ago, you'd never hear of those coins except for Bitcoin and Ethereum. What's your advice to potential uh, cryptocurrency investors right now? My advice to cryptocurrency investors right now is to hold on to your cryptocurrencies in your own hardware wallet. There are a lot of cryptocurrency exchanges that are going under, and there's a lot of uh, it's a wild west out there, and it's it's scary times. So if you have large amounts of cryptocurrencies. You should be holding onto a wallet like SafePal or Ledger or Trezor, and and get one of these things for you know for for twenty bucks or something, and hold your own keys. You can still do all the great things you do with your cryptos, but you're holding the keys on these hardware devices. It's safe and sound, and if a company goes down, you still have your cryptos. Is diversification as important a component in the world of cryptocurrency as you hear it talked about in the world of of investing in stocks and equities? hundred percent. I, I talk about it all the time that owning certain altcoins are going to be like owning pieces of your favorite softwares in the future. It's like being able to own a piece of Swift. But every time someone wants to do a wire transfer, you as a token holder get a, a royalty from that. That's where we're going in the future. And people need to, and people need to understand that there are going to be some really good ones. But just like the dot com, you know, bus, there are going to be a lot of bad ones and if you look at why the bad ones failed it was always timing like someone there was a a, a dot-com company that bust that was very similar to the modern day uber and lyft but why they failed was just people weren't even holding mobile phones back then in 2000 in 2001 so why would they be hailing taxis with a mobile phone it's just all about timing great to have you with us charlie thanks very much for your time all the best Thank you for having me. Thank you. Charlie Shrem joining us here on Wharton Business Daily. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.